All right, what is up, middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania? Let's hear it. Woohoo! We are here for another live Run Your Mouth podcast. It's cool as hell that people are hanging out for these. And uh, we'll start with what might have been the funnest news story this past week. How many guys watched Biden when he went out there and he repeated himself, pulled an absolute Ron Burgundy and just read the teleprompter twice? All right. So now, obviously, people are giving Biden a lot of shit because they're like, hey, man, you're the president. But I feel like people are focused on the wrong part of this, which is I feel like we're watching someone who's about to get into the Dementia Hall of Fame. (laughs) You know what I mean? This might be the dementia goat right here. Do you think there's ever been anyone else who's accomplished as much? Like, and here's the other thing. You know, like, they're always kind of talking about, like, this is a big thing. They're always talking about... uh, that we need people to like see the examples of success. So like we need for like for little girls, we need like a Hillary Clinton so that they realize that they can grow up to be monsters too. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's like the big thing is like that they should be the representatives. So I feel like, wait, you need a louder? Where on my thing? I mean, I, I, I the board. Oh no no no! But sorry guys, a little sound edit here. Uh, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty loud. Oh, it was just, it was just the, the cord. All right, there we go. We're back in business. Uh, so, all right. The first thing is I love whoever's putting together these note cards for him, because if, uh, for those people listening at home, it literally is as informative as you're supposed to walk into the middle of the room. You're supposed to read the teleprompter in front of you. Don't take any questions and leave. Like, it, it is literally word for word what he's supposed to do. So everyone was talking about, like, the Ron Burgundy moment that you could put anything on the teleprompter. I'm like, it'd be way funnier if someone put some shit on these cards. <laughs> <laughs> if someone put on there, like, walk into the middle of the room, pull out your dick. <laughs> Say, listen, Asia, this is what a real dick looks like. Hey, Hunter, quit hogging all the kids. <laughs> and then leave. I mean, that's way funnier than the teleprompter. And then I was also like, whoever's putting this together for Biden might have a great sales pitch for having the world's greatest product for making it seem like you can still do your job. You know what I mean? Like, do you know how many seniors are out there who would like to continue working? Like, my grandfather, dude, if Biden can still be a lawyer, my grandfather, I mean, if he can still be president, my grandfather could still be a lawyer. You get these fucking cards, you park your car outside of the office. (laughs) You get out, your your secretary's name is Nancy. You know, we can almost get it to like Mission Impossible level, you know, like a Mission Impossible, where they just kind of watch your life for like the last couple, of, like when you're like 60 and you're like, hey, I did a lot of drugs in my 20s, so I think I got five years left. They observe everything and like you can start wearing like those Google glasses and they'll just Mission Impossible you through dementia so no one realizes. Uh, all right, that was all I had on that. All right, so you guys all saw the moment. He repeated the line. If you want to know how bad the error was, even uh, Kamala Harris wasn't laughing. That's uh, (laughs) just to showcase how bad of an incident this actually was. And I love his face there. He was like, I I read that line so good, I'm going to do it again. I usually don't get these lines right. So he repeated the line, absolutely everyone was giving him shit about it. So if you guys uh, don't know what the press conference was about, he's uh, trying to enact new uh, ways to ensure that everybody can, who wants to uh, can get an abortion. Uh, I'd also love to see that ad campaign. Maybe we can bring back the gotta make the donuts guy, but it's gotta kill the babies. (laughs) 
So anyways, he was out there, and he thought it, the reform doesn't mean anything. It's basically mailing people pill- I, I don't know who he's ensuring access to that the Supreme Court just denied access to. Uh, but I do want to read uh, one quote. Actually, before we read the quote, I'd like to point something out. So the people on Biden's team actually tried to cover up for him, and they tried. They changed the transcript. They actually went to the White House website and changed the transcript of what was on the board instead of uh, instead of when he said um, repeat that she, they tried to change it to let me repeat that so like as if that was supposed to be something that he was supposed to read they then played it in slow motion to showcase the fact that he didn't say that right even the kids upset I agree <laughs> um, it, so he clearly flubbed the line and then the White House was trying to get his back on that now. At what point in time, if we find out that he really fully had dementia, are the other people in the White House kind of responsible for that? Because, like, I don't know if you've experienced it with your grandfather. Like, my grandfather was a very well-to-do Connecticut lawyer, and dementia hits fast. One year, he's working full-time. The next year, he's shitting in a bag. That's just reality. I'm not... I mean, you can laugh at that. I'm just saying that's what happens. That's the way it goes. And it's some people have to take the keys. Like, that's what happens. My grandfather, my grandmother gave me two choices. She's like, you're taking your grandfather's car. I was like, I don't want it. Like, he, he still, like, likes having it. And she goes, you can either take this car or I can go sell it. And then you don't have a car. I was like, all right, I'll take the car. My grandfather, a whole year of life where he was mad at me because he thought he needed to get to work. <laughs> and that I'd borrowed and not returned his car. <laughs> There was a whole year of life, but that's what dementia, that's what happens when you get there. And it's like, by the way, yeah, I don't know, by the way, here's the real moment when you know that someone has dementia. Like, if you ever experienced this with, like, an older person that you love, you're not sure, it's the day that you see their balls. That's when it happens. In my family, we actually call it being Uncle Phil. That's what we refer to it as. Because when I was, like, six years old, we used to visit my granduncle Phil at, like, their nursing home. And then one time I went in there and I had to walk out and be like, uh, Dad, I think you got to... And then my dad's like, oh, his balls are out. And since then, it's now it's the family tradition. That's what you do when you get dementia. You show your balls to your loved ones. That's what you do. Because prior to that, you can't do it. But at some point, you get to that stage where you can. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure the way that we found out when Trump left the White House, we're going to hear this type of shit about Biden of him, like just walking into the kitchen and peeing in the soup or like some other fucking shit. You know what I mean? The point I'm trying to make is that whatever other people have been covering for him, bear responsibility on everything that's going wrong in the country because they're literally covering for a guy who seems to be mentally incompetent and not just mentally incompetent where like, I guess other people are making good decisions. I mean, the shit that's going on in Russia is uh, pretty scary. We're going to get to that. But on the note of all the people that are getting his back, and so I believe bear some responsibility, we did just have Boris Johnson step down. Now, what's fascinating about Boris Johnson stepping down is, firstly, he wasn't going to do it until suddenly everyone in his staff was resigning. Um, but first is a weasel move that he pulled, which is unbelievable, is that he goes, I'm going to step, step down as the leader of the party, but I'm going to stay on as the head of parliament, which, like, no one cares if you're the leader of the party. Like, you know what I mean? That's fucking meaningless. If there was the everybody hates us party and you were the leader of it, no one would care because they're not in power. It's not the fact that you're... So I don't know how long he's going to last before they actually make him step down. What's fascinating about him stepping down, though is that it seems to me like this is over the scandal that they had in regards to uh, partying during COVID. Did you guys did you guys follow that news story? Yeah. Do you guys know how he got caught for it? Because it's pretty interesting how he actually got caught. No? Yeah. 
so you guys have to go find this video on YouTube. It's worth seeing. His press secretary, like the equivalent of Biden's press secretary, was standing in the room. I think she might have had, I don't, I don't remember if she was drinking, but she was fielding fake questions from like her other staff. And they were fielding fake questions about the parties that they were having. And she was laughing about the fact that during COVID lockdowns, they were throwing parties. That's what happened. And then someone actually got that footage and put it out. It really showcases the fact that these people um, are, I, I, I would best describe what is the, what was that? Uh, I, I mean, I'm fine with the setup. We can, we, can, we can leave it as is. That's my backup anyway, so it's all good. It's really, it's all good. Um, am I, all right, it's fine. So I'm telling you, if you really want to see the way that the elite treat us, what they're actually doing, the way that they really think, that video showcases everything because it showcased they did not care about COVID in their personal lives. It was something that they sold us on, and we can all figure out what their agenda was there. But you can watch that video, and it, it shows it. Like, it's undeniable once you see that. So after that came out, then they start going, we're doing an investigation. He gets through the investigation. He gets through some vote. And then people start resigning. What I find most promising and interesting about that is that it's when the wheels turn on these stories and how fast they turn. So like if you look back at a couple years ago when the opioid crisis was going on, those companies weren't responsible for it. Now all of a sudden there's lawsuits left and right. Even Johnson & Johnson got hit with a big one. Uh, so we're going to get to it later, but I do think the COVID story is starting to turn a little bit. And this is one of the first people that got taken down. And I don't, I, I don't see what else he lost confidence because of. So it does seem to me to be COVID related. Um, all right. This was when his staff uh, was covering for him. And now the entire thing was in regards to abortion. And I just want to point out that this was a poll. 5% of Americans think abortion is their biggest concern right now. They don't care. So for all this thing that this is like everyone's losing their fucking mind about it, guess what? At the end of the day, if you want an abortion, government's going to fund it. And as we go into a recessionary environment, people are going to be like, oh, the government's paying for you to go to another state. Can you bring back some food for me? Like, <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's why people don't care. Like, the Democrats are going to continue to pretend like these social issues are important. And as the economy and my projection gets worse over the next year, people do not care about these things. So this was Biden's quote about it. Um, what we're witnessing wasn't a constitutional judgment. It was an exercise in raw political power. Biden told reporters at the White House, we cannot allow an out-of-control Supreme Court working in conjunction with extremist elements of the Republican Party to take away freedoms and our personal autonomy. I'd like to point out, how's this different than January 6th? How's it like, in other words, if you're looking at a constitutional decision and you're saying that this is a rogue court that worked against the will of the American people, like for all the tyrannical talk that we heard about Donald Trump staying in office, how is it any worse to look at the Supreme Court, get a decision that you don't agree with, and then refer to it as a out of control Supreme Court working with con in conjunction with extremist elements of the Republican Party? And that's an actual quote from the president. That's not like some of the, you know what I mean? That's not like what supporters were saying. That is the president of the United States of America did not get a decision that he liked from the Supreme Court. And now he's referring it to it as uh, out of control. So what's he going to do? Is he going to take it over? Is he going to walk in there with an army? Is he going to pack the court? Like what exactly are the plans? Now, just to uh, address abortion for, for a second, I know that we have all have different opinions. My opinion is essentially, your body, please don't make me hear about it. That's, 
I would sum it up to that. It's your body, your choice, and I don't like making decisions. I don't, I don't like deciding what I want to eat for lunch. I don't like deciding what I want to do with my future. I don't want to dig, like, I don't want to research this one. I feel like opinions are overrated. Sometimes there's some good topics to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to research this one. I don't want to have an opinion. I don't fucking care. I just don't want to hear about it. You know what I mean? Like, and then I will say for all the people out there though, because I, I almost, I, I do feel like it's a little bit of a gray up until the 15 weeks. I think it's a little bit of a gray area. And since it's a little bit of a gray area, people should be allowed to make their own decisions. Now I go, I know you got your hardline Christian conservatives like Davy Smith out there going, this is definitively murder. And I respect saying that it's definitively murder, but I also feel like God gave us a pretty clear list of what's murder and he can see the future, so he could have just put on there, you know what I mean? And even the things in your stomach. Like, I just feel like if it was 100% absolutely murder, if you believe in God and his infinite wisdom, and he saw what was going to happen, he could have clarified it. You know what I mean? Simple asterisk. It's not that hard. I, I, made, I made that amendment in a Photoshop in a couple seconds. It really didn't take that much work to do. Exactly. Come on, God. Get it together. <laughs> All right, so talking about the Ten Commandments, there was the Georgia Monument, seen by some as satanic, was damaged from a pre-dawn explosion. I forget, what was the name of the, the, the monuments? You guys were The Georgia Guidestones. Now, what I love about the Georgia Guidestones, and we'll get into what was actually on them, but I like the idea of, like, competing monuments, that if there was, like, a nuclear bomb and, like, some civilization survived a thousand years ago, they found this, and this became their Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I just love the idea of, like, something like this living on and then someone else thinking it was, like, the definitive word of God, which is why I want to get a competing monument that just says, uh, short, bald people shall rule the earth, <laughs> have their own bathrooms, and shall be blown regularly. That's what I'd... And then I'm going to do my best to preserve that so that if something goes down, my offspring might do well. Uh, now, I did take a minute, and I looked into a little bit of what's in the Guidestones. They don't know who funded it, but uh, it looks like Bill Gates. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it, it is um, a, we need a 500 million population, and then we need, and then it uses these words, which are really creepy. It uses words like tempered reason, which is an excuse for being a dictator. Anytime, like, you create, like, a poetic verbiage for the way logic should be applied, you know what I mean? Like, you got... For, for example, like, don't murder is not left for interpretation. Like, you, look, you know what I mean? Like, there's some principles that is a principle, and so it's left as is. When you leave something with poetic verbiage, like tempered reason, so then you leave it to a dictator to define whatever the fuck that is. So I'm claiming Bill Gates. All right, now the other thing is, I, like, listen, we're not into violence. That's not our thing, right? We're the anti-violent people. If we respect the hell out of private property, that's the way we operate. There is something funny about ruining monuments. I'm just going to say it. I'm not saying that you should do it. There's something funny about it. And then I was like, funnier than breaking monuments would just be making slight adjustments. So here's some augmentations to historic monuments I'd like to see. First is, if someone straightened the Tower of Pizza. Because I love the idea of someone taking a vacation there and be like, this thing's not even really leaning. Like... What's going on here, right? All right, here's another one. So this is a famous monument of a kid peeing. And so I would rather see, like, the actual rendition of the priests that were drawing him. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know what, what was actually going on around it. Uh, this one's in Russia. It's apparently a uh, monument, a testament to the might of the, me like the, of, uh, the country. It's supposed to be a masculine sign of war. And so I would like to turn it into a gay pride thing. <laughs> 
just up there, I feel fabulous. And then last one, I don't know how no one turned Thinking Man into a guy <laughs> making a giant shit. I don't understand how nobody's done that yet. And then the last one is uh, we've got the, uh, um, the Statue of Liberty, and I would like it if that was fisting someone's asshole. That's the last one. So those are, those are, those are the changes that I would make to national monuments. Uh, all right, so weird, weird week in terms of seeing some massive overhaul uh, in terms of like, uh, usually we don't see much chaos, particularly when it comes to world leaders. Uh, now, I'm gonna preface that when there is a school shooting, a leader shooting, a public shooting, a mass murder, it should not be a game of team sports but it's become that. Like, I, it's just become like you look it up right away. You're like, was this a liberal? Was he using a legal gun? Who killed who? Like, it shouldn't be team sports. They've kind of turned it. Like, it's the least. It's the worst thing to be rooting for. Where your first thought is, did my team win? You know what I mean? But we we have somewhat turned it into that. On that note, this one's a crazy one. In Japan, they got the strictest gun laws in the world, or from what I've heard, the guy made like you're gonna have to close Home Depot. I guess like it's not. The weirdest part about the coverage is that they're telling us what happened. They're not telling us why it happened. Anyone notice that? At least today, no one's even, like, it's, now, it could just be it was a crazy person, which is fair, and, like, I've said, when, like, we should not make decisions for all of humanity around crazy people, right? Now, an interesting storyline to me, though, would be if, like, there was a policy made that this particular individual was upset about. Now, now I'm not saying that that's an endorsement of going and killing a world leader, but I am saying that kind of changes the paradigm if people are taking those kinds of action. Once again, not endorsing it. I'm saying that's a very interesting why did this guy go ahead and do it. It's very weird to me that in all the coverage thus far, not even looking into it. They're not even really talking about who the guy was. They're only telling us what happened. Once again, I want to make it clear, not endorsing the activity. I am looking at the media and wondering why aren't we getting the question asked or researched of why did this happen? Now, it could just be that it's a little bit too early. Um, it, oh, this one is totally unrelated, but fuck it. That's the way this thing flows, everybody. <laughs> the way the slides come out. So this is Pete Buttigieg is looking to do airport $1 billion for terminals and upgrades. And off the bat, like, I don't need some gay guy to come in and do nice carpeting. That doesn't help me. Like... Can we just get planes that run on time? Is my projector smoking or is this room just that dusty? Oh, that's you. No, no, all good, all good. I got nervous. I was about to... <laughs> no, no, you can smoke away. I thought maybe my thing was going to murder everybody, so... I... Uh, I think that they're claiming the airlines, everyone likes to blame everyone else for like what's going on with the flights, but the airlines like to claim that it's the air traffic control. Uh, now, I think that we're somewhat in an environment of peak socialism where government will make bad policies that have horrible unintended consequences. They got to cover their own ass. So I think mainly what we're seeing with flights is probably a lot of pilots that left, uh, but they're claiming that it's air traffic control. Now, how much of that $1 billion do you think is going to go to Pete Buttigieg nice tiling as opposed to things that will just get fucking flights to run? Um, all right, so now back to the political unheaval and things getting a little bit interesting. <laughs> Once again, not an endorsement of violence. <laughs> okay, now I had a, uh, about an eight-hour drive up here, so I wasn't able to fully research this, but I'm going to give you guys the short scoop of what I understand there's a weird movement 
that seems to be anti-people in the name of the environment and particularly anti-food. Now, a lot of meat comes from these areas and they're trying to get rid of nitrogen, which apparently when like in, in I guess, meat and farm production, like you can, like yields are like 60% greater if you have them. And they're not just trying to reduce the usage of nitrogen. They're also telling particular farmers, listen, we're over capacity for the amount of farmland that we're going to have here. So you're going to have to close your farm. Now, what I understand of global warming, if you look at the way India and China are operating, is any of what they're going to do that will limit the food and apparently massive amounts of beef for the world come out of these areas, is that actually going to have an impact? And firstly, to give you a short answer on global warming, don't care about it. You know why I don't care about it? Because government trying to solve it is way scarier. Now, I can't get into the nuance of to what extent maybe we're contributing to climate change. I don't think it's catastrophic, and I think anything government does to try and limit it is going to get in the way of economic growth, and economic growth is the solution to anything that we're doing that might harm the planet. We'll figure out fucking solutions. Government stepping in, <laughs> enacting policies that will limit economic growth will lead to death. I look at what's going on here, and this looks to me like it's a like it, it starts getting fucking fishy. We're like, who's trying to make the world run out of food? Who is looking at what's going on in the world and saying that where most of our beef comes from, if we can limit that, that's going to be the primary thing we do to solve global warming? Now, I'm saying if you were concerned with global warming, there might be more effective ways to deal with it. But if you were going to write a list of the 100 things you're going to do to solve it, it sounds to me like in a current environment where the, we got the UN talking about how we're going to be limited on food next year and that poor nations won't have food, wouldn't this be the last on your fucking list? So that's, uh, <laughs> so that's my quick snapshot of what's going on there. Like I said, it's like once you have that lens of just like the way they're dealing with global warming, you kind of don't need to know the particulars to see just the stupidity of it. Uh, but then there's also just something so anti-human of telling people they just can't have their businesses. Like that's, you know what I mean? For the government to step in, especially for something like as old school as farming. Like you're still a fucking farmer. You have your farm. Like, you know what I mean? Like that feels like a, a, like a 1920s depression movie where the government's telling you that you can't work your farm. Uh, now this one was wild. This one was just today. Uh, but Sri Lanka, they took over the prime minister's house. Uh, they didn't just, uh, the guy stepped down. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures, but it was like really massive fucking people took to the streets, took over the guy's house and he stepped down. Quick snapshot of what's going on there is that the poorer countries of the world are running into a significant problem because we shut down last year. You got a lot of countries that typically speaking are running close to empty. And then all of a sudden, like we over here, I don't think we're going to run into a food problem. There are other countries that probably will run into a food problem. I think Sri Lanka, they ran into a, um, like a debt issue where they actually couldn't finance bringing in grains and other critical supplies from other countries. So we're starting to see the unintended consequences of the COVID policy of shutting down the world economy last year. Intended. Well, so I, between you and me, it's like, I, 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 I try and be a little bit more careful. I'm open to the idea that there's somebody who seems to be pushing this, and, it's, and, and as you start seeing these chess pieces, it starts to get a little bit creepier. To speak to the positive, though, I'm starting to see it fold because when people start having to make real sacrifices, when you're when like when things are no longer conceptual, when things are actually like, oh, I can't bring home hamburgers, I can't get to work, you know what I mean? Or countries here where you can't eat, that's when people start fucking overthrowing the government. So it's it's interesting to see that it seems to me like they almost overstepped on selling an idea that green energy would work. And in like for these genius global elites, 
Now, maybe it's going one of two ways where they think there's going to be bread lines and they're going to be able to ramp down full control over the entire world. I don't see it happening. If anything, I think maybe they overstepped a little bit too early and they're starting to lose their grip. On that note, you're starting to see it in German, uh, in Germany as well. First world country, people are starting to hear that they got a ration because of what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. And you know what people are saying? Fuck this. They're like, what did you do? Like, things were fine last year, and now all of a sudden, my, my heat's going off at night. And when we're at the start of this, they're starting... Yeah, they're trying to save up oil so that they don't freeze in the winter. So it's like they haven't even hit the real problem yet of when there would be like significant urgency because people can't even heat their homes. Um, but it seems to me like in what I was talking about, if you guys haven't seen, I recommend, I'll plug my own shit, go watch the uh, end of your misinformation spectacular. I was talking about the ESG scores and what they were pushing with the green energy. Uh, the picture I'm starting to see, and Biden said it, Biden's literally said it, hey, this is our opportunity. Now that energy costs are higher because of Putin, we can't rely on our global partners, so we're going to have to invest in green energy. They're trying to sell us that story. People aren't buying it. So I, I actually think long term, this might turn out to be a little bit of a win because they, pushed, uh, they pushed, pushed too far a little bit too fast. All right, we'll close out with some of the most recent COVID information. First is what's interesting about monkeypox, and this comes from um, Zero Hedge, is that out of China, apparently the fatality rate from monkeypox is between 3 and 6%. Now that's significantly higher than COVID. So if you guys remember the way that they shut down for COVID, Fauci should be on the news right now being like, all right, no more orgies, guys. <laughs> You're going to have to stay home and jerk off, okay? It's uh, two, two weeks to stop the, the monkeypox. <laughs> but it's crazy, like, just in terms of showcasing the degree by which they lie to us. It's like if we were really concerned about, you know, like the way they harped on a death narrative, at least according to this, I haven't fully researched this one. If it's three to 6%, that's significantly higher than COVID. And so it's also within one specific community, at least at this time, at least at this time. And so it would seem to me that with everything they did for all of us to COVID, they could at least be giving people the education of, hey guys, if you're within this community, you're at risk. And so I understand you really enjoy your orgies. No one's saying that you can have all the gay anal sex that you like. But for a little while, maybe just with your boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like you would at least be giving the education, but this is the degree by which we live in a narrative-based system of socialism where they don't care about the consequences as much as some idea that they want to share with us. Um, which brings us to the latest in COVID, which is that they're now trying to vaccinate kids. They're not just trying to vaccinate kids. This was uh, Elmo did a segment where he's talking about getting vaccinated. Now, there's a couple pieces of insanity when it comes to vaccinating kids. Firstly, what emergency exists in terms of your kid's risk to COVID that something can get emergency authorization? How does that add up? I mean, just, just fucking common sense, just common sense logic. What emergency exists that a product would need emergency authorization when it comes to kids? But then it gets a little bit shadier. And what's wild to me, and this is what I was talking about, cracks in the COVID narrative. This was in the Wall Street Journal. I've been a long-time Wall Street Journal article. Like, I, I've read the, the journal, I don't know, every day for the last probably four or five years. I miss a couple days here and there, the opinion section I'm big on. They were not great on COVID. I'm telling you. I was surprised that the journal, which is usually kind of gives you shit kind of straight, I'll tell you, sometimes they learn a little, a little conservative. Sometimes they've got shit on drug wars, policing, wars in general that I don't agree with. But, like, typically speaking... Uh, I find that they, they're, they're pretty good. 
COVID stuff, for the most part, there was one article that they put in the opinion section from John Hopkins that was uh, questioning the way that like the death numbers were being done. But for the most part, they weren't they weren't questioning the fact that getting vaccines were a good idea, as far as I can remember from having read the paper the last two years. Now they're starting to fucking go after them. So this was an article. It was in the opinion section, but why the rush for toddler vaccines? So we're going to read a couple paragraphs here because you're going to see that this is the Wall Street Journal and they're going after this as being just like, I mean, lunacy as, as a policy. Here we go. In fact, we don't know if the vaccines are safe and effective. The rushed FDA actions was based on extremely weak evidence. It's one thing to show regulatory flexibility during an emergency, but for children, COVID is an emergency. The FDA bent its standards to an unusual degree and brushed aside troubling evidence that warrants more investigation. All right. Now, there were only, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, there were 202 total deaths in the age groups of six months to four-year-olds. So in terms of a population as large as ours, 202 is not, that's, I understand. It'd be nice to live in a world without death. But if we're looking at numbers and the way people are dying, 202 is not warranted to start giving kids um, experimental vaccines. Now, here's a kicker on that. The two children in Pfizer's trial who got sickest with COVID also tested positive for other viruses. It's possible that many hospitalizations attributed to COVID this winter were actually instigated or exasperated by other viruses. Doctors had warned that more immunologically naive children were likely to get sick once schools reopened and lockdowns were lifted. In other words, the shitty kids are dying. I'll just put it in simple terms. You got some kids, bad immune systems. If they're dying of COVID, uh, like what, the point being, where I'll have to get Stephen, my resident non-scientist, on. You probably have to look at excess death numbers to see if people or kids are really dying of COVID. All right, two more paragraphs from this article that I think are worth noting. For one, Pfizer contravened numerous clinical trial uh, um, conventions. It init its initial protocol involved only two doses, but this failed to generate the antibody lev levels required for FDA approval. So Pfizer added a third dose, which the FDA generously allowed. Usually the agency won't allow drug makers to make a course correction with trial. I, I can't read that, but essentially... They planned out a trial. It was for two doses. Two doses in children wasn't giving them the antibody levels, so they changed it to three. I'm not a scientist. Wall Street Journal's claiming that the, the FDA doesn't normally allow you to make these kind of changes. All right, here's the last thing, and then we're going to look into the actual trial, and you're going to see that it's even crazier than what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. More troubling. I'm going to stand up so I can come around, just so I can see it. <laughs> Woo, don't trip. All right. More troubling, vaccinated toddlers in Pfizer's trial were more likely to get severely ill with COVID, COVID than those who received a placebo. Pfizer claimed most severe cases weren't officially clinically significant, whatever that means, but this was well, all the more reason that the FDA should have required a longer follow-up before authorizing the vaccine. I'll state it differently, which is something I've been saying for a while. If you're gonna look to the FDA and say, what proof do you have? Did we just kill the mic? What proof do we have the kids are at high risk and that this is helping based on what we just read, even if you don't understand the particulars of the trickery they did to get it passed, it's like, what evidence are you working with to say that this has utility, right? And if you're supposed to be a government agency and not just an arm of Pfizer, why is it that you're selling me on this? All right, last paragraph from this. Also worrisome, most kids who developed multiple infections during the trial were vaccinated. This warranted more investigation since experimental vac vaccines for other diseases sometimes increase susceptibility in infection. In other words, there was a higher reinfection rate in the kids that were vaccinated to the kids that got natural immunity. 
Now, this is from Alex Berenson. If you guys don't read his Substack, uh, we explored the controversy that he recently went through on part of the problem. He's still the be best when it comes to COVID stuff. I'm gonna give you guys the short here. It's the best I understand of it. But essentially, since they did a three vaccination round in order for kids to be considered fully vaccinated, so what do you think happens if a kid got sick after the first or second dose? They weren't considered part of the trial. They weren't considered part of the trial. So Alex Berenson pointed out, like even, let's say you had like a suicide medication and you only start like in, in the first two weeks it made you more suicidal and then after 14 days it started to click in. And now let's say 99% of people in those first 14 days killed themselves, but then 100% after the 14 days didn't kill, like, you know, never killed themselves. So based on the way the Pfizer looks at this information, you would go, my drug's 100% effective because they only counted after 14 days. So now they advance the trickery with two rounds because now it's not just that you're not fully vaccinated after the first round, you're not even fully vaccinated after the second round. I don't remember the exact number, but I think like when it all came like down to it, like the final group was like 14, it was like a very small group of people that even made it to round three. So once again, the evidence being like, firstly, why are they pulling this kind of trickery? You know what I mean? Like why, like I don't even understand why. And secondly, what emergency exists and what evidence do you have that this has any utility? I would encourage you, even though I have failed with my own family, that you should at least like prod at people a little bit with the, like, I didn't care for adults. You're making your own decision, but people with fucking kids, it's like, little, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Hard two. Hard two? Two minutes? Oh, okay, cool. We're getting to the end. That I can, I can wrap this up. So this was the other article where essentially, um, they criticized that the Great Barrington Declaration, which was uh, attacked by the Biden administration, uh, saying that lives were saved in the lockdowns, every, all of that has turned out to be not true, and yet no one seems to be all that upset um, at government for it. There was one other thing that I wanted to mention on these. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, here's the bombshell. Here's the bombshell, everybody. You guys ready for a bombshell? Yeah. All right, we're closing out with the bombshell here. So I don't know if you guys have seen the CEO of Pfizer. He's the head vampire. He's a guttural speaking carpet salesman Jew. This, this line is the most incredible thing. I, I swear, this is like, this is the biggest bombshell of all the COVID coverage. Here we go, I'm overselling it. Yet Pfizer honcho Albert Brulo writes in his new book, Moonshot, that federal public health officials feared disclosing this warning efficacy would breed more vaccine hesitancy. I gotta read this from the top, I'm sorry. Four months after the second dose, vaccine efficacy had declined to 84%, making breakthrough infections more likely and imperiling the Biden administration's goals. Firstly, that lies, that number's a lie because that's still the relative risk reduction, not the absolute risk reduction. But anyways, we're down to 84%. Yet Pfizer honcho Albert Buller writes in his new book, Moonshot, that federal public health officials feared disclosing this warning efficacy would breed more vaccine hesitancy. The Biden administration kept it under wraps until July when breakthrough infections in Provincetown, Mass, made it impossible to deny. You know what this tells me? Firstly, this is the head of fucking Pfizer who's admitting that the government lied to us to cover their own ass because they didn't want vaccine hesitancy. This is like, I mean, he's literally admitting government was more than happy to lie to you to push their narrative. If they had science, remember to listen to the science, if they had science counter to what, what they were looking for, they were not sharing that information with us. They do the same fucking thing with global warming, 
where it's like if they have evidence, well, they don't want people questioning the fact that you know climate's going through puberty. It's not even global warming anymore. It's changing on us, right? So to me, this is a bombshell because it's firstly, it's the fucking Pfizer CEO that the government's been lying for the entire time for some reason letting you know, oh, like as if he was listening to the government, that the government wanted the product so bad that he was like, hey, we got to go out there and tell the truth. And Biden administration's like, no, we got to lie to everybody. Point I'm trying to make here, if you know anyone with kids, I don't understand why anyone would be taking this vaccine for their kids. I mean, people stalk their doctor, make their own decisions. I don't get it. I'm also starting to see the narrative turn, and this to me is a bombshell that the fucking CEO of Pfizer will tell you that the administration was lying to us. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, everybody, Robert Fire.